Welcome to I Communicate on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. To join the conversation, call 508-871-7000. Now, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay. Hi, everybody. How are you doing? hope you're having a great day, and uh, welcome to another edition of I Communicate. I'm your host, Mark Altman, founder and president of Mindset Go, where we help people become more confident, assertive, and effective communicators. Were there, were there opportunities, Danielle, even though your parents set that example for you, were there opportunities as you were growing up that you could, or did that not start until more of your career? Well, I mean, I have to say that my friends always turned for me to advocate for things growing up. So, you know, I'd always be the one that they would turn to and they would say, we need this taken care of, or, you know, we're having, we need our parents to do this. And I was always the one stuck saying, we want to go do this thing and we can do it and the reasons why. So that was the kind of advocacy I did growing up. I was always always the one that spoke up. So I have to ask you, Danielle, this isn't an easy question, but when, when people tend to gravitate towards others for a specific task or responsibility, they have to see something. Like your friends, for them to count on you and depend on you, what is it that you think they saw in you that made them see that you either had the influence skills or the people skills to get people to maybe do what you want to do want, or to stand up for themselves? Um. I was never afraid to speak up because I had that confidence that I believed. I think it's partially because my parents would listen. So, you know, if they made a decision about something, we could advocate for ourselves to make changes to those decisions. So they empowered that in us at a very young age. So growing up, it was just always acceptable in my household to have those conversations and to advocate. And it took it for my teachers, too. I advocated for change in my classes when I saw things were unfair. I was always the one that would speak up. That's awesome. Okay, so... You work for 11 years at the Central Mass Housing Alliance, and then you come to the Family Health Center of Worcester, where you're working with homeless and housing. So talk a little bit about, in your, in your mind, what, is, what are your primary responsibilities that would make you say you're successful at your job? How do you evaluate yourself in this position? Um, I think it's really important, the staff is really important to make sure that I have, uh, I'm fully staffed, that our, the staff has the tools that they need to do their jobs well so that we can take care of our patients. So whether that's providing medical care or case management or checking at the front desk that the staff is fully trained, that they feel empowered to make decisions and that they feel supported. I feel like that's my primary role um, and what I do, but also then continuing to plan going forward to make sure that hope can be as strong as it can be financially and that we have a forward thinking of what is our future going to look like. Now, Dania, when you say the staff, in a nutshell, the staff being empowered, I often talk about attribution because there's two things in life, things you can control and things you can't control. So when you as a leader encounter situations where you've, quote unquote, done your job to empower people on your team, but they don't receive the feedback or they don't receive the direction, What's the message you give to yourself in that situation? And is the message different now than it was a year ago? How has that evolved? I definitely think that it's evolved. I think that I've learned a lot that um, it takes a long time to empower people, that I can tell people that I trust them and I trust their decision making, but it takes time for people to trust that. And I think that's a part of what my evolving at the Family Health Center came about too, is my confidence growing and be able to make decisions. But I think that for my staff, that if I see that they don't feel empowered, then I need to look at what it is that's making them not feel that way. Is it additional training? Is it you know additional one-on-one time? 
what is it that they need? What is going on with them um, to get us where we need to be? And you said the magic word a moment ago. You said it's trust. So as you're asking those assessment questions, it's really why don't they trust me or the process yet, correct? Yes, exactly. So let's talk about, um, for, for our listeners, here, here's the idea. When I help leaders through coaching and training, there's four central areas, right? Managing yourself, managing down, managing sideways, which is essentially managing your peers, and then managing up. So everything starts with managing yourself. And Danielle, that was where, you know, you really resonated with me. And I want to share, um, I had done a training for the Family Health Center back in December, and the training itself was on habit change and recognition and appreciation of your team. And it was about how to make your team feel heard and validated and empowered. And as soon as the email, as soon as the training ended, Danielle had sent me an email because every, I gave everybody an assignment as a result of the training. And Danielle basically said, look, I need a lot of help with time management because I think that's one of the root causes of my problem. And, and Danielle, I, I guess for so many people in this world, admitting flaws, admitting areas of development is so hard because it, it, for a lot of people, it represents failure or not being good enough. Did you feel that way at that time? You know, were you feeling like, yes, I can admit it, but my self-confidence, my inner voice is not really good. Like what was going through your mind? Because it takes courage to send that email and ask for help. So what was that like? Um, well, it, I had noticed that when I started the Family Health Center and after being at the same organization for 11 years, it was a di- different atmosphere and that I, w- I didn't have the same confidence to do those things that I had before. And to say that I wasn't getting things done or wasn't handling things in the manner that I wanted to, I mean, that was a leap of faith, but I also knew that how I wanted to get the job done and that the only way to get to that point was to admit that something wasn't working. And I kept focusing on the time management part of it because I kept saying, if I could get that part strained out, then all of the rest of the pieces would fall into place. So let me ask you this, and this may be a difficult question to answer because we're, we're playing a little Monday morning quarterback. Mm-hmm. So my question to you is, so Family Health Center invests in their leaders to have a coach like me. Mm-hmm. So often, I feel like for people to make developmental progress, you need a support system, a coach, an accountability partner. If that coach hadn't come, let's take even me out of the equation. If you hadn't had someone to come support you, talk you through some of these challenges, do you think you would have eventually figured out at all? And do you think it would have taken a lot longer? Like how much of a role does a coach in your mind, reflecting on it, play in your development and progress? I think it's really important to have a coach and someone that can, you know, that you can talk to about the issues that are going on, someone who can hold you accountable. Because you did hold me accountable without it being like a stick thing because it was more like, well, the next time I meet with Mark, I either need to make a change because we keep having the same conversations over and over again, and I didn't want to have another conversation with you without saying that I take up his time, I take up my time, this is a great opportunity, this coaching sessions, I need to do something with it now. That's on me. Nobody else can make that decision but me to actually do something with this time that I'm putting aside. So what were, so we talk a lot, Danielle, in leadership about intrinsic and extrinsic motivators. So when we come back from our first break, we're gonna, I wanna understand from you, how did you become intrinsically motivated in that moment to make the change? And uh, so, We'll be right back for Daniela Riviere. I'm Mark Altman. We'll be back after the break.
continues on full service radio 830 wcrn once again here's your host mark altman okay welcome back to i communicate if you'd like to call into the show it is 508-871-7000 here with danielle Riviere from the family health center of worcester and we're talking about habit change and self-advocacy and motivation all rolled into one and before we left for our first break we were talking about how danielle kind of put her foot down and said, you know, I want to do something different. And I was asking what intrinsically motivated you and Danielle. One quick thing before you answer is, I always come back to this. Time is our most precious commodity, right? So it also it started with time, right? Because you were like, well, it's Mark's time. It's my time. What am I going to do? I don't want to, I want to make progress. So, so aside from time though, what was the intrinsic motivator for you? I think a lot of it are the standards that I make for myself is that I didn't feel like I was being effective and efficient and that that's where I needed to make a change so that way I could get the things done that I wanted to get done so I could get the priorities done that I felt that I had. Um, I was even having a hard time taking the time to set the priorities because I felt like I was reacting to everything. So I knew that when I was at CMHA that I was good at what I did. Um, and that I was effective and efficient at my job. So then I came to Family Health Center, and like we were talking about, it was a new culture, a new way of doing things. And for a little while, I kind of was trying to figure out how to be effective and efficient at what I do. Now, how did you – this might be a silly question, but how did you know you weren't as effective and efficient? Was it you got feedback from peers or managers, or you just knew in your heart, like, I'm not effective and efficient? I just, I, you know, a lot of it, I think, was just in my heart. It just, I wasn't accomplishing the things that I wanted to get done, and I wasn't accomplishing to the level that I wanted to get done. I felt like I was running in place. Well, and I know from conversations with you, even more to the point, not just things you wanted to get done, things that you valued highly in being yeah. an effective leader, right? The things that I valued, exactly. Y- yeah. Okay. So, so Danielle, here's, here was a big moment in, in my professional relationship with you is that I am fortunate enough at this point in my life where I only coach people I enjoy working with. And so people who don't normally do the work in between and don't follow through, I'm usually like, why am I doing this? Why bother? Mm -hmm. But there's something that you did that blew me away that is very rare. There's a phrase in leadership called leading by example. I hate it because leading by example implies that the people you're leading notice all the good things you're doing. It also implies they don't notice the things you don't want them to do. And it's a, it's a very passive form of leadership to me. Now, it's got its benefits, but overall, it's a passive form. Your leadership that you and the culture you walked into at Family Health Center didn't necessarily have similar values as you. It didn't replicate the culture you had at CMHA. Then the pandemic hits. Danielle, you had every excuse, you could have had every excuse in the book to not be effective, to not be efficient. I don't have time to meet with my team. I have too many things to do. But you said no. You said, I am not going to make decisions based on how I'm led. I'm going to do what I think is right. That's hard. 
Was it hard or was that easy? Um, it was actually pretty easy because I just decided it's what I wanted to do. You know, I wanted to, within my team, make sure that I was changing how we did things so that way we could accomplish the goals that we were setting. So let's say, Danielle, someone from your team comes up to you and says to you, boy, Danielle, just in the last six months, you're a totally different manager. I mean, I love working for you. I've noticed all kinds of changes. What's your secret sauce? Tell me how you did it. Like, what, how would you model what you did? How would you teach your team to replicate this process you went through? I think one of the biggest decision I made was to try to stop being so reactionary to everything and start literally scheduling time for the things that I thought was important. And, you know, it kind of started with, I felt like I was drowning in emails. As crazy as that sounds, like I felt like I spent all day long responding to emails. That's all that I ever had time to. Still wasn't really resolving anything through those emails, but lots of time just reacting to emails. And one of the first things I did was say, I'm not going to do that all day long any longer. And I set a time and I said, I am going to spend the first hour that I'm at work responding to emails, taking care of all the things that came in, following up on things, um, kind of came up with the whole system in my email box of things that I filed and things I deleted, things I left that I needed to come up with. And then, you know, kind of let it, the email sit for the rest of the day until the next day, unless something popped up that was really important but kind of just said, I'm going to take the time now for other things that I think are really important. And one of the things we talked about was uh, what are the priorities? And like I mentioned already, I was having a hard time. I knew I had priorities, but I was even having a hard time saying, so one of the exercises we did was priorities. You know, and my staff and, um, you know, staff development, it was a really important priority for me, so I had to make time for that. And one of the things that I did was make sure that I scheduled time in to spend time with all of my direct reports and to stick to it. And then, you know, they weren't necessarily um, finding it to be very effective at first. So you and I had a conversation about how do we make it more effective? And then we came up with an agenda. And then I posted the agenda and I said, this is what we're going to do each and every time. And we ask those questions and we go through it. And sometimes it's the full time and sometimes it's not. But then I take the next half an hour after that to act on the things that we talked about. So one of the things is that I ask them is, well, what do you need from me? And so then I act on those things that they may mention that they need from me. So I feel that while I would still like to meet with them more often than a meeting, I think that it's better now. And I think that I'm addressing some of the things that they need. Yeah. And so a lot of good stuff there, Danielle, you shared. So uh, first I need to start with, I think, the central principle that you operated under that seems so simple. When I say this phrase, people are going to be like, right. But it's one thing to know it. It's another thing to do it, right? Mm -hmm. So here's the phrase. Danielle put her foot down and said, I am going to be responsible for things that I can control. Exactly. That's where it all started, right? Exactly. So it starts with Danielle acknowledging, hey, I can control this. I can't control that. Danielle can control how she spends her time. Some things are mandatory and required. She can't control those, so she doesn't worry about those. Mm -hmm. So she talked about blocks of time. And what I want to ask you about that, Danielle, is I know myself. I set, and I'll give you a perfect example. I have a block of time once a week in my calendar that I, I, it's called rocks. And rocks are priorities, like my business priorities, what I want to focus on. And I know often when I plan that time, something will come up, a meeting, uh, just something I have to deal with. 
So then what happens? My scheduled time goes awry. So when I work with a lot of clients on those blocks of time, one of their first question is, but I don't usually and always have that block of time free, so I'm going to schedule it, but not always be able to keep it. So I'm sure you've encountered the same. So what do you do? Because I don't want to give away the obvious. I want to know when that happens for you. What do you do? Well, the first thing I do is ask myself, is that thing that come up enough to move my priority? You know, it, am I reacting to a situation? You know, and sometimes it's saying that right now I'm not going to do that. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna keep to keep my commitment to this time block. But if for some reason something mandatory does come up, then I do try to reschedule it. But the first thing I say to myself is, can it, you know, can I do this another time? rather than during this time that I have blocked for one of my priorities. Okay, so I, I want our listeners to know, everybody who listens to the show who's worked with me knows how what a big proponent I am of emotional intelligence. So what did Danielle just say? In the moment when something could interfere with her priority time, she asked her self-awareness, is this something I need to do right in this moment? Self-awareness, what is the priority? Don't be reactive, I wanna be proactive. So she has the goal to be proactive, she asks herself a fundamentally important question that disrupts, which is the idea, right? So don't fall back into an old habit or pattern, you disrupt. So in, have you found that by simply adding in that self-awareness question, is this something I need to do? Does it work? Oh, it does work. And I'm not, I'm not perfect all nope. the time, and by no means, but it's a practice that I try to have on a day-to-day basis where I'm, before I'm reacting to anything that I'm saying, can this be something that is taken care of later? And by the way, going back to something Danielle said a moment ago, which is just a big part of it, is you have to know what your priorities are. Because if you don't stop and figure out, hey, these are my non-negotiable priorities as a leader, these are my values as a leader that I want to make sure are consistent, then you have something to stop for. But if you aren't clear on those, you're just going to keep rolling along and not even know. So... All right. So with that said, now I want to go to something else you said, Danielle, which is drowning in emails. I mean, <laughs> there is not one person that I work with that doesn't tell me they're drowning in email. I mean, that is a universal problem. But when we come back from our next break, I'm going to ask you about this. But what I want you to think about, what I want our listeners to think about is, what does the phrase drowning in emails imply? It implies a sense of helplessness. Right. So if you're yeah. drowning in emails, you're throwing your hands up in the air saying, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to prioritize. I don't know how to build time to do the rest of what I do besides putting out fires and replying to emails. So when we come back, I want to understand when you had that realization that you were drowning in emails, I want to know what your thought process was on your own in addition to what we discussed. So for I Communicate and Daniela Riviere, I am Mark Altman. We'll be back after the break.
Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, welcome back to I Communicate here with uh, Danielle Riviere from the Family Health Center of Worcester, um, who has an amazingly valuable and important job, um, Director of uh, Worcester Care for the Homeless at Family Health Center of Worcester. God bless you for that, Danielle. It's an amazing service to our world. So we talked about drowning in emails. So let's pick right there, pick up right there. So drowning in emails, everybody feels that way. Almost everybody, it's an excuse. So that helplessness, so you, what's your process now? When you have that reflex reaction to feel like, again, you're drowning in emails, what's your process? I tell myself to stop. (laughs) You know, I stick to that, checking the emails in the morning. So I've already addressed anything that needs to be. and, And checking it is not just reading it, it's acting on it. So I act on it. So I either, you know, reply or look up whatever it is I need to do. And then I either file it or leave it in my email for a response or delete it. And then, you know, if I find like an email starting to come in during the day and I'm finding that it's getting my attention, I have that internal conversation with myself where, again, you're not doing the things that your priorities because the email is interrupting you. So it's time to get back and say, you have a plan for this tomorrow. You know, I do look in case it's an emergency, something that really needs to be addressed right away. But most of the time, it's things that can wait for a response. So, Danielle, there is a situation where I think people who can't stop emailing and can't get away with that, can't get away from that as a productivity thing, part of it is because they have an imaginary, they tell themselves that there's an expectation that the person's expecting an immediate reply. And if I, let's use your team, if I was to have your team here right now, and I was to say, aside from urgent requests, which you would tell Danielle they're urgent, just general request, what would be your expectation of how quickly Danielle acknowledges and or responds to your email? In general, what do you think your team would say? They probably think I respond pretty quickly. Well, not what you do. Pretend you were new and coming in, and I said, "What would you? This is your new boss. What oh. do you expect? How quickly do you expect them to respond?" Twenty-four hours. Twenty-four hours. So here's the deal: we don't we don't know. We'd have to ask her team the question. But the point I'm trying to make with email is, if you aren't clear around what people's responses are, that means you haven't done a good job setting and managing expectations. So part of the process that I work with leaders on is. How do you, instead of putting all this pressure on yourself that I need to respond right away or they're going to be upset and frustrated, ask. You could send an email back. Realistically, I don't think I'm going to get to this today. Is it okay if I respond in a couple of days? So that's critical. Now, you were telling me in between segments, Danielle, uh, an anecdote from a training I had done about you know resiliency and mindfulness and so on and so forth. If you wouldn't mind sharing that story and how it impacted you. So what are the... You suggested that we take a break during the day. You said a 45 to an hour break, get away from our desk, get out of our office, just walk away. And there was a lot of pushback on that, that there wouldn't be time for that. But I remembered that that's what I used to do at my last job, is that every day I would leave the office and I'd go get a coffee and I'd call my mom. And I didn't feel frantic at my last job, even though I took that half an hour away from the office. So I said to myself, and so what I was doing is I was having my coworkers pick me up coffee and things like that. I was, I was stuck mm. in my desk is what I was realizing, and it felt like very long days. So I just decided that I was going to get up and get out of the office, even if it's just a quick run down the street to get coffee every day. And I, what you said is correct. It gives your brain a chance to reset. 
And so I would call my mom. We would chat about the morning. We, you know, I kind of vent about some stuff. But it was my minute to, like, get away from the office and out of it. So when I came back, I, could, was, I was feeling refreshed, like I could start the afternoon. So wait a minute, Danielle. So I love it, and thank you for sharing that. But I want to tell you, again, you make it sound, it's one of the things I love about you is you make it sound so seamless. But what is, I want you to translate that for people, and I'm not being sarcastic to our audience. When Danielle says a chance to reset, what is the ROI in resetting? So what? You get a chance to reset. How does that help you? What do you notice when you're back that you're able to do when you weren't resetting that you weren't able to do? What's the big return on the investment of time? Well, my brain doesn't feel as tired. So I feel like I could be more productive and that I can take a look at things with maybe a different set of eyes. I feel less weighed down by it. And and what about the strategic or problem-solving factor? Do you feel like you're able, because of that, to be more strategic and solve problems? Well, I mean, one of the things I do is call my mom and talk about what's going on, and she kind of, you know, it bounces off of her, so then I think I'll think of something, you know, as I walk, as I walk away for a little bit. So let's talk about productivity. So, uh, Danielle, let's talk about you're adding in a block of time daily to walk away now, you said, right? Yeah, so I look at my schedule for the day, and I say, okay, I have nothing between this time and this time. That's when I'll run out. And how long is that time, typically? About a half an hour. Okay, and by the way, everybody... Um, if you can do a half hour, you're phenomenal. Um, 45, 60 is pie in the sky for most people. If you can do 15 minutes, it's a great start. So there, there's no like, it's not like if you only do 10 or 15 minutes, it's not worth it. It's still worth it, right? That's how long it takes me to get to Starbucks and back. Well, there you go. So first thing is you're adding in a 30 minute block of time every day. What other schedule, what other time have you built in such as coaching one-on-ones? Like, how much more time since you've made these habit changes are you building in for coaching or meetings than you did before? So I probably have coaching almost every day with at least one staff member. Okay. So, um, and it's only half an hour, and it's not every week with each person. I would love to get to a point where I can do more than that. Um, but, you know, right, but it's working for all of us right now. And if somebody says, I like additional time, I always manage to put that on the schedule. I'm prioritizing that with the staff. Um, the other thing that I, is really important to me is the recruiting. We're not fully staffed yet, and we haven't been, and I've been feeling for the last year like I wasn't dedicating enough time to it. So recruiting is one of the things that I have put on my calendar, and I do not let other things distract me from. Understand. So I, what I do is that I will... So I, um, you know, I go through the resumes that we've, we got and I, I take other, I, I'm able to do some other things. Like I've spent time on LinkedIn, looking at people's profiles. I've added people, connections on LinkedIn. So when I send out saying that, oh, Hope is hiring, it's, it's reaching the right audience. I'm asking to share. So I'm making connections with organizations. One of the, co- one of the positions we're trying to uh, hire is for a recovery coach. So I'm reaching out to organizations. So I'm building in the time to do that actual recruiting. Okay, so so let me just understand something. So how many people are you meeting? How many on your team about approximately? When we're fully staffed, it will be 30. Okay, but you're meeting with someone every day for about 30 minutes. Yes. Prior to doing that, was that, so that's two and a half hours-ish a week, but this prep time, call it three, three and a half hours. Um, were you not doing that every day prior? Okay. No. So how often were you doing it previously? A couple times a month. Okay. 
So and be, what was happening is that the staff was coming in and interrupting me a lot too. Right, right. Because my, you know, it's one of the things we talked about. Like, not, you can't always have an open door. So right. what was happening is because I didn't feel like I was spending enough time with them. I was trying to make myself very accessible, which was making it hard to get other things done, like recruiting, so we could be fully staffed. Okay, so so I want our listeners to understand what Danielle's saying, just to summarize it. So she's building in a half hour every day, two and a half hours a week. She's building in half hour meeting times, five days a week, four weeks a month. That's 10 hours. So she's adding in 12, she's adding in 20 hours. Yeah. Yeah. She's adding in 20 hours of time. Okay. Over the course of a month. Previously, she was allotting four hours for. So she's added 16 hours in the schedule. Now, be honest, everybody. If I came and started coaching you and I said, you need to find 16 more hours a month in your schedule, you'd not only laugh me out the door, you'd probably fire me on the spot. But here's the thing, Danielle, the magic question everybody's waiting to hear, because you found 16 more hours, you must be letting a lot of things slide. I mean, you must not be getting to all of your priorities. So could you tell our listeners what you're not getting to as a result of your 16 hours of more stuff? Well, I actually feel like I'm getting more done now than wow. what I used to get done. Wow. How though? And I'm feeling know? more efficient and effective. And that's the word that I come back to all the time is I'm feeling more effective. Well, like I just mentioned, you know, because I was setting the time aside for people, I'm getting less interruptions. I'm allowing for less interruptions. I'm taking the time that I need to do to get fully staffed. I'm not spending a lot of time on emails. So I'm actually finding time in my schedule to do things. I'm more productive in the afternoons after I take a break. So do you feel like, Danielle, because I'm interested to know your opinion on this. I feel that when you try to tell someone who is reactive with their time and hasn't taken responsibility for what they control, trust the process. If you do this, you will be more productive and more efficient. I feel like they don't believe it. People don't believe that. No, and I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't as if I did it all at one time. You know, so I said to myself, okay, I'm gonna start scheduling this, this one-on-one time with this staff member, and now I'm gonna do it with these staff members. And you know, so there, that, was, that was my first step. The emails was actually my second step. And then going, leaving the office was the third step. So it was a process that I went through and I was feeling better and better about it as I was going along. So then it was easier to follow it. Now, were you worried as you were doing this incrementally, which is absolutely the right way to do it, were you worried as, like, there had to have been times, because I want our listeners to relate to this. There had to have been times where you would have these half hour meetings and half hour and you'd come back or be finished and be like, oh my God. I have so much to do. That that old reflex of being overwhelmed. So did that happen? And does it still happen? And if so, what do you do about it? I don't think of it's it's much the after is stopping the time to make sure I'm still doing that thing. So, you know, it's really easy with these one on one sessions to say, um, I just you know, I'm gonna we're gonna push it off. You know, but it's you know, but in them also saying, But I'm gonna push it off, but so taking the time to say, No, we we both need to prioritize that. So I don't really feel like it's the afterwards more than it is making sure like stopping can feel very disjointed. Okay. So when we come back for our final segment, Danielle's been tap dancing around it. Setting boundaries is what we're going to revisit when we come back. For I Communicate, I'm Mark Altman. We'll be right back.
I Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, welcome back to I Communicate. I'm here with Danielle Riviere from the Family Health Center of Worcester. So I want to talk about mindset, Danielle. You brought it up during the break, and obviously my company's called Mindset Go, so I'm a big believer in mindset, needless to say. Um, and, and from my perspective, and I want to understand where you're at with this, Danielle, there's two things about mindset that it starts with. One is believing in yourself, like believing you can do it, and believing you can do it in small steps, as you alluded to. And the second is believing in the process. So do you agree? What is your thoughts around mindset, around habit change specifically? Well, yeah, I think that's really why I was able to get to where I am is because I just made the decision to make the changes. And whenever I felt myself slipping back into like the old way of thinking about things, I would just have a little internal conversation being yeah, to not, to, to go back and why it works and just to keep doing it because I, I was starting to see the payoff. So I'm going to give you a funny analogy um, because I want to go back to a question I, I, did, I don't think we finished with before, and it reminded me after what you just said. So I work with parents, and I work with high school students sometimes. And so one of the things um, I ask high school students is to set goals. And so often a high school student will be, my goal is to get straight A's for the next term. And I said, but what if you don't get straight A's? Like, what happens? And they'll, they, they pause, and they'll say, I don't know. So I said, so if you got two A's, two B's, and a C, would that be the end of the world? And they're like, no. So I said, you don't really care if you get straight A's or not. Like, that's not a big goal for you. So here's where I'm going with you. You talked about being more efficient and effective before. But what's the consequence to not being more efficient and effective? Because ultimately, you keep saying, I did it. I just did it. I knew I needed to do it. But what was the root motivator for you? Finish this sentence. If I wasn't able to start doing being a more efficient and effective leader, here's what would have happened to me. What would have happened? What was the motivator? Um, I wasn't enjoying my job. Right. And I really enjoyed my last job where when I was at CMHA, and um, I wasn't enjoying it. And, I, you know, it didn't feel like it did before. So I wanted to get back to a point where I was enjoying what I did. Now, I'm, I'm very passionate about working with the homeless population. Now, first of all, if you haven't picked this up already, Think of the career choice Danielle made. She didn't do it to get rich, okay? She did it because she has core values and a passion around it. So wasn't enjoying your job. So I'm going to be provocative for a second. So what? You weren't enjoying your job. So what? So what happens if you didn't start enjoying your job? What would have happened? I mean, to be honest, who knows how long I would have been in the job. And it affects your relationship and energy and It mood. does. And so I was not, I was not, happy. I wasn't happy at home. I wasn't happy at work. It, you know, you spend a lot of time in your job at your job. You bet. And I was spending a lot of extra time at my job because I felt the need to work very late. So I would be there till seven, eight o'clock at night sometimes and still not feeling and still feeling like I'm running in place. So Danielle, we have a caller and I, so I just, I just want to add. So what Danielle's basically saying is because she's, she is such a empowering person to listen to is she basically said, Hey, I'm not happy not enjoying my job. Back to what we said in the beginning, I'm going to control what I can control. And she decided that she doesn't want to keep moving on with the status quo. She recognized the consequences of the status quo and acted on it. So we have a caller. Uh, caller, welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. How are you? It's Matt from the beautiful state of Illinois. Matt, welcome to the show. Good to have you. 
Hey, good to be here. So uh, I'll make this brief real quick since I know you're getting up on the hour. Um, I'm a big believer in mindset uh, for both religion. Uh, I'm sorry, for both relationships and work. Uh, you can't lead effectively unless you're comfortable in your own skin, unless you have the right mindset. Because if you don't have your, for lack of a better term, your own house in in order, you can't you can't convey that to the people you're trying to lead. Uh, and people will pick up on that real quick. And it's I don't want to say hypocritical, hypocritical, uh, because I'm not quite sure that's the right term. But people will know that if you, if you're not the real deal, um, if you're not happy with your own life, if you're not comfortable in your own skin, things like that, how can you expect the same out of the people you're trying to lead? Well, Matt, I, I think you're actually spot on, and you're, mm-hmm. you always add so much value when you call the show. And I think hypocritical is the right word. And I'm going to give a very brief 30-second anecdote. Um, someone you know, Danielle, I'm not going to say the person's name, but who is one of my favorite people at the Family Health Center, great leader. And um, I did a training with her and her team last week. And one of the things that came up in the training is one of the people on her team raises her hand and says, you know, so-and-so, the boss, you know, always tells me I shouldn't put in as much time and I shouldn't check my emails at night, but she does. And so I said... Well, that's a very simple problem for you to solve. And I said it right in front of the boss. I said, so this is what you do. The next time she gives you that advice, say, I'll do it when you do it. And and so, Matt, when you talk about hypocritical, that's the part of leading by example I was alluding to early in the show. You can't ask people to do things that you're not willing to do yourself. And usually that's implying like dirty work or being in the yeah. grungy work, but it also talks about wellness and resiliency as well. And mindset. Like you like and to mindset. say all the time, and mindset. If, you, if the boss doesn't have, or the leader, whatever you want to call him, her, uh, if they don't have the right mindset, how can you expect the people you're trying to lead to? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and Matt, thanks for the call. Always happy to have you on the show. And, you know, I want to build on what Matt's saying a little bit, and let's talk about perfection, Danielle. So, you know, we start, we start out by saying, you know, you need to believe in yourself and believe in your process. But incremental growth, small bites, manageable bites is such an important part of habit change. So you had to know going in that you may have setbacks and you may have some less. Is there one you can remember either early on or recently? And when you stumbled upon it or had that setback, how did you overcome it? Well, I think where I struggle the most and I continue to and I continue to work on is making sure I am doing the one-on-ones with staff. It is, it is, that's one of the hardest because it's so easy to say, well, well, we'll just do it again later. And I feel like it sends a message to the staff when I'm not keeping the times that, they, that we've set. So it is something that I, that's the one I continue to work on. Yeah, and, I, and so I think that listening to Danielle there, here's where mindset creeps in again. If you work for Danielle, and she wasn't routinely meeting with you prior, and she starts routinely meeting with you. Communication takes two to tango. So let's go on the premise that all of a sudden Danielle has met with someone on her team three times in a row. Fourth time she misses the meeting because something's come up. She's not perfect. The question is, what do both people in that interaction tell themselves? For the person who works with Danielle, there's two choices. That person either says, oh, well, no worries. She's not perfect. We've done three in a row. We're still going to keep meeting. Or the person says, oh, here we go again. Same old Danielle who can't meet and meet, who can't do meetings consistently. And for Danielle, when she talks to herself, her inner voice, it's no worries. I'm setting a pattern I can be proud of. Or, damn it, 
Like, what's wrong with me? I, how come I can't do these meetings? And so with communication and human beings around mindset and confidence, if either of the two have a negative response, things can go wrong. So if you're a leader and you're listening to that, what you do is if you're Danielle, you do what she's already been doing, which is to be proud of the accomplishments she's made, worry more about the precedent in the pattern more than the individual setbacks. And if you're that person, if Danielle starts to feel a vibe that that person may be coming a little skeptical or despondent, Danielle has a courageous conversation and just talks to the person about it. Yes. So the perfection's big. And, you know, Danielle, I guess I would ask you as a leader, if you had someone on your team that you were empowering to build a new habit, and it was a daily habit, something they needed to do on a daily basis, and they had two weeks, 10 opportunities to do that habit, and, and out of, after the first two weeks, they accomplished the habit six out of 10 times. And you were to go give them feedback. What would that feedback look like? The feedback would be asking why they think that it was six out of 10 times and what were the barriers that they ran into to be able to do it 10 out of 10 times. Because I, I just believe a lot of times it's the system and it's what's around them and that you have to address those issues. Right. And so you would ultimately try to figure out they did it successfully six. So kudos for the six. Congratulations. What was the difference between the six Six, times you were successful and the four times you weren't? Right. So Danielle talked about the word standards earlier in the show. So if your standards are of a leader are that 10 out of 10 is only thing that means progress, then you're really going to have trouble building habits. Right, Danielle? Yes. And you're going to have a hard time building staff. All right. Well, we're out of time. Danielle, thank you so much for joining on the show today. Well, thank you for having me. This is very nice. Yeah. So so for more information about Mindset Go coaching training, you can email info at mindsetgo.com or call 978-793-1159. Stay mindful. Use emotional intelligence. Remember our three-word motto, this simple motto, stop, think, and act. You know, stop before you react. Think how you want to respond and act accordingly. So for Danielle Riviere, I'm Mark Altman. We'll see you next time.